We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. You can turn there if you've got your Bibles with you this morning. I'm going to start this morning by reading a a story that I came across. One of golf's immortal moments came when a Scotchman demonstrated the new game to President Ulysses Grant. Carefully placing the ball in the tee, he took a mighty swing. The club hit the turf and scattered dirt all over the president's beard and surrounding vicinity while the ball patiently waited on the tee. (laughs) I know some of you can relate as I can because I played in the tournament with you guys this summer. Again, the Scotchman swung and again he missed. Our president, President Grant, waited patiently through six tries and then quietly stated, There seems to be a fair amount of exercise in the game, but I fail to see the purpose of the ball. (laughs) And that's what I'd like to talk a little bit tonight is not the purpose of golf, but the purpose, a purpose for us. What are we, what's a purpose for us to live for as Christians? Uh, In the Westminster Catechism, uh, part of it states that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I'll say that one again. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And for those of you who know me, you know that I'm a pretty practical person. And so while I read that, I think that that sounds pretty good, but I'm not, I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, well, that sounds great, but I'm not sure what to do with that. Like, what, is that, what does that mean? How, can I, how, does that, how does that work for me? And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning is a purpose for life. And some of us have different purposes or, or goals or ambitions in life. And if you're, if you're young, it might be to uh, get a scholarship to go to college and get a degree so that you can make good money and start a family and buy a home and kind of live the American dream. And then for some that are a little bit older, you've, you've gotten married and you're working and you've got that house and now you're just worried about getting that debt paid off. You've accumulated more debt than anything else and your, your goal and your focus is, if I can just pay this debt off, then, then I'll be okay. And then as, I think as we get older, um, different things become more important and time with family becomes more important and you just think, man, I'm going to work. If I just work hard during the week, then I can have the weekend for my family. And so some of it, sometimes we just work for family and we have, we can all be going down these different paths, all with different goals and dreams and, and purposes. And when I was with the Gwinnett County Fire Department, we had a, the, the department had a purpose and a mission statement and it was very clear. Everyone knew it was posted just about everywhere you went and that was to save lives and protect property. So when I arrived at work that morning, or any given morning, myself and the other 200 and something firefighters that were reporting to stations across the county, we all knew what our purpose was that day, was to save lives and protect property. So when the call came for uh, a house fire or some sort of structure fire, or if it came for a heart attack, we, we knew what we were there for because we had, we had purpose. We arrived at work that morning expecting to do something, and we were looking forward to that. So as, as a new youth pastor here at the church, um, one of the things I'm looked at with being with the youth each week is what is, like, what's the purpose of this? What are, we, what are we getting together for? Why are we coming? We got all the kids coming, and they're having fun, and that's good, but is there, is there some greater purpose that we need to be striving towards? And so 
Uh, right now, our, our number one purpose with the youth group is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, our efforts are to raise up students who are committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is, is just look from Scripture, where that comes from, uh, a little bit of why that's important, and then um, because it is your kids, it's whether you're, you're your children or your grandchildren or kids that you know that we're ministering to out there, and lots of times we're kind of, oh, Paul said if I got boring, he was going to leave. <laughs> that's pretty early, Paul. <laughs> So we've got your kids out there on Wednesday night, and we go to the youth room, and you know a lot of you guys don't know what's going on, so I want to kind of give you guys a, little, a picture of what we're doing with the kids and why we're doing it and, and what our goal is and, and our purpose to make disciples. So uh, the first verse I want to uh, look at it comes from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I'm going to have to get used to that. It just shows up when you say it. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he's, Jesus came and he lived his life, and he had his ministry on earth. He was rejected and crucified, raised again. He was getting ready to go back to heaven, and he said to the, to the disciples, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And... This command to go, therefore, make disciples, um, as, we, as we work with the youth, I think to myself, if, this is, if these were Jesus' last words to his disciples, or some of them anyways, then there is a, there's an importance that these were some of the last things that Jesus said. And so that's, that's what we're striving to do with the, with the youth, is to make disciples. And when we look at this, this word disciples, or make disciples, uh, there's a Greek word called uh, mathetio, and I'm, I'm no scholar, but I, I looked it up, and what the de- I understand the definition, though, and it says, this idea of making disciples means not only to learn, but to become attached to one's teacher and to become his follower in doctrine and conduct. All right, so not just to learn, but to become attached to one's teacher and to become his follower in doctrine and conduct. So... As we're out there with the youth on Wednesday nights, we don't want to just teach them what the Bible says and so that they know about David and Goliath and they know when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. These are important aspects of our Christian faith, but it's not just to know the stories. It's that they would become attached to the teacher, and that's not me, that's Jesus, and that they would follow his doctrine and his conduct. So we're going to start in, uh, or, or look to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 11. And it says there, this is Paul speaking, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And on, on Wednesday nights, we have a bunch of kids there most Wednesday nights, 80 to 90 kids, but we also have a great group of leaders and I would just like to take a minute, if we have any small group leaders, Seth was the only one in the first service. I know we got more here in the second service. Please, you guys, please stand up. These are the ones that are working with the youth on a weekly basis here at the church. Come on, Bo, stand up, skip. (laughs) 
we've got a great group, and there, there's others uh, besides myself and Sarah. We have, there's 19 uh, small group leaders, 19 of you guys in there with the youth, ministering, loving, teaching, sharing life with these kids. And our goal is to equip the saints, to prepare the students, to get them ready, to, to make them perfect, to give them a foundation not just so that they know, not just so they can say, well, yeah, I know that, and I know that, and I can memorize, I can quote this scripture. But in Ephesians here, it says that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And God has called each and every one of us to do some good work. And if we can see that in Ephesians, just back two chapters, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And when I read this verse, that verse isn't just for us, that God has good works for us to do and he's prepared them in advance and he wants us to walk in them, but it also applies to the students that are there on, on Wednesday night. The, it's, it's for young and old alike. And so uh, this is our goal on Wednesday nights is to equip the, the students for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And this idea of uh, building up the body of Christ is an important one. It continues in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When I look at that verse, you could just sit there and just be like, wow, wouldn't that be great? I mean, look at some of those things that were that in there. Until we're going to build up the body of Christ, that's a group of believers that we have here this morning or the group of students that we have on Wednesday night, and we're going to build them up until we all attain to the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, mature manhood to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If that, if that verse right there was a description of, of this body of Christ or, or the students that were... And I mean, we have a great church here, and, and, so, and so many of those are characteristic of so many of you. But then we do kind of get caught up sometimes in, in some of the things that aren't as, aren't as important. And we're like, well, man, did the choir sing, really sing that song again? You know, <laughs> I know they know more songs than that, or they say, man... Pastor Jerry, I mean, why'd he even let Jeff get up there? I mean, he, <laughs> you know, or, 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 or Fred's wondering, he's, he's saying, man, it's always the same people that, that are picking up chairs and tables after the events. Where did everybody else go? There were, there were 400 of us here, and why is there only 10 people? You know, we can kind of get sidetracked on these, on these uh, things that are so insignificant, and yet... It says in it said here in chapter two that God prepared beforehand good works that we should walk in them. So if if what God has called you to do is to stack chairs, then stack chairs. If He's called you to sing in the choir, then you sing in the choir. If He hasn't called you to sing in the choir, then don't worry about what the choir's singing. <laughs> Enjoy and be ministered to. You know, we each need to do what God has called us to do, and that's what that's what builds the body. So. Okay, so that sounds good, but why is it important? And if we continue to uh, verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. And as we're teaching the kids, and we're helping you guys raise them up, 
and to prepare them for adulthood and for life and for hopefully many of them college. This is a description of our college campuses. Every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And as, these, as we send the kids, I say we, it's you, they're your kids. I've got two that we'll send, but when they, when they leave the door, this is where they're, this is where they're going. They're, when they go to college, there's cunning, deceit, lies. Um, is that really true? Well, why, what does it really matter? And these questions are, are coming for them. And so uh, we feel it's important on Wednesdays and, and during the week and on the weekends that we are making disciples, kids that know what they believe, why they believe it, and how to share that with somebody else. So um, that sounds good too, but we'll continue to verse 15 and it tells us how, how we need to do this. So instead of human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Talking about the body of Christ again. So we need to speak truth. And truth comes from the word of God. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He said that, if, that as we study the word, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And so our goal is to teach the kids the truth of the Bible. So that, like I said, they know what it says, why it's important, and how to be able to defend it and share that with somebody else. And secondly, we want to tell them the truth, but we need to be able to tell it to them in love. You, you, we all know in, in Korean things it talks about that, um, that without love, we're like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And Sarah even reminded me that this morning before I left uh, the house, I left before him, she said, just make sure you speak in love so you're not some resounding gong. <laughs> so I'm trying my best. But the goal is to build up the body of Christ. And in verse 16, it says, um, or from in 15, in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I like how it says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So if we're all concerned about what our neighbor's doing and why, why, why aren't they doing this and they said that and he, I can't believe he's doing that again and she said she would do this and she... Instead of worrying about what everyone else is doing, if we just focus on what we're supposed to be doing, what God's called us to do, the ministry that he's called us to, the people that he's put in our path to minister to, to relate with, to live life with, if we worry about those things first, it says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. So I believe that's in two ways. One is like it said in verse 13, Unity and the knowledge and maturity and the stature and fullness of Christ. We're growing as a as a group and we're and we're getting more and more Christ-like. But I think it also means that as we do that, then we're bringing in um, new people into the group and we're telling we're telling others that don't believe the gospel of Jesus. We're sharing that with them and we're equipping them and we're training them 
And, and together we're building up, um, building up the body in love. So that's kind of the, that's the goal. That's our, that's our purpose with the youth. And that's, that's um, lofty, if, if nothing else. But it's what God's called us to do. And so that, that's what we work towards. And so I just want to take a few minutes to kind of let you guys know how we're doing that and, and what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because like I said, they're your kids. We want to help help you guys raise these kids up to be disciples of Christ. And so um, our, our kind of our number one uh, place that we put effort into is, is, is in equipping. And we have three, we call them foundational blocks that, that, we're, that we're using with the use. Equipping, evangelizing, and engaging. And, and the number one is equipping because when we get out there on Wednesday night and all the kids start to file in and we look around the room, most of them have professed Christ as their Savior. So our number one goal is to get these kids ready to be disciples that will stand strong in their faith, but also will um, be raising up more disciples as well. And um, it looks somewhat like what we do here on Sunday morning. We, we sing praise songs. We share prayer requests. Uh, we teach from the Word. Um, one thing that we do that's a little bit different on Wednesday nights is we break up into small groups, which is why we have 19, uh, 19 leaders that, that come with us, and they, um, they break up into groups, and, and each leader, or usually two leaders per group, and they've got 8 to 15 or 16 kids, and they're just discussing, uh, looking at the lesson, finding out what's going on at home, finding out what's going on at, at school, ministering to them. Everyone's, you know, all the kids are there on their phones and texting and Facebook and whatever else that they do and we try and keep up with. Our small group leaders are on their phones and communicating with them. So the, the number one thing that we try to do is um, equipping them. We have the fall retreat that I mentioned earlier coming up this weekend. That's a great time of fun. Um, it's a great time of food, different activities, but it's also a time to equip and we'll be teaching and actually, our topic this weekend is going to be on discipleship. And then, of course, one of the another big thing that we that we do with the kids is uh, prepare them for Canal Lake Bible Camp. And you guys know the 450 kids that come each year to camp, and we can't do that without this, our high school students, especially um, ministering to the campers that come. And so we do training with them to get them ready for that. And the teaching that we're doing this year um, on Wednesday nights is, is a, we're doing a chronological teaching through the Bible, starting in Genesis, and we'll work our way as long as it might take through to Re- Revelation. And the goal behind that is to give them an overview of the Bible. Where does everything fit? Does, does um, the story of Jonah, does it really fit? Does it have a purpose, or is it just a, a story? Because when they get to college, like we said, they're going to hear that it was just a, it's a myth, and so was the flood, and so was uh, creation, and it's all, they're just stories, and every, every culture has their story, and you pick yours, and you can believe that. And so we are, we're teaching to, to um, prepare them for when that comes. Um, and we also are, okay, that was number one, equipping in evangelism is another big one. And like I said, most of the kids that come 
have professed Christ as their Savior. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to see the kids pour in and they're excited about being in church, which is amazing. Um, but again, that equipping is, is preparing them to be the ones that will evangelize their peers. We can only reach so many, but they can reach their peers every, every day. So getting them ready to uh, go to the school and share their faith there. Emphasizing with them each month, we emphasize a different uh, ministry or mission or missionary, and we collect offering for them. So we've collected, um, we've collected money for Here's Life Africa to, to build a well um, or, or to contribute towards their well. We've raised, we collected offering for the Studebakers, Eric and Amy Studebaker. They'll be home next year in Ecuador. I'm drawing a blank. Um, we sent money with, with Jim to Iraq um, last year one time. Just different projects that we can emphasize to the kids that they, so they can see that God is working. God is working in this world, and they can be a part of that. And then, of course, we have our outreach events. And Fields of Faith at the high school three weeks ago was amazing. If anyone was there, you, you know what I'm talking about. Student-led worship, student-led scripture reading, and student-led testimonies on the football field with probably 300 people in the stands. It was an amazing night. Praise the Lord. But that's our students ministering to their peers. And that's, that's what we've got to be able to do is prepare them to go out and minister because we can only, each one of us can only uh, reach so many. And then, of course, we do uh, the equipping and we do the evangelizing we have to engage the students in order to do that. We have to engage them on a student to uh, a leader to student basis. A st- the students need to be able to engage each other, and we do that in the small groups where they talk and they're kind of figuring things out. But then also these outreach opportunities that we have, like I said, trunk or treat coming up this Wednesday is going to be a great night. Up to five, six hundred kids possibly from the community are going to go through the FLC, and they'll have the gospel presented to them, and they'll have our, our teens ministering to them, loving them, playing the games with them. And so it's, it's important that we um, not just teach the truth, but give them opportunities to live out the truth. And so our end goal, our purpose to have the kids coming through the youth ministry is so that when they leave the House of Prayer youth group when they're 18 or 19 years old and they're going to take their first job or going to join the Marines or the military or they're going to college. We want them to go out as, number one, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, but also as a disciple maker. And so I would ask that you keep um, not just our middle school students and our high school students in prayer, but our college students, and young adults. And Sarah and I get emails, text messages, phone calls all the time coming back from um, different students that have, have graduated over the years and in the past year about what's going on at college. And, and we've had one, one student was just excited that they, they were reading their Bible and something in the Word spoke to them, and they were just excited that they were able to learn that. So they wanted to let us know. But then we have another one, uh, texted Sarah, and she was just relating that um, she was at college. She had an opportunity to minister to middle school students, and she said they're just they just don't get it. They don't they don't even want to be here, and they don't they're not excited about being here. And when we go out there on Wednesday nights, we've got some kids that are excited to be learning about God, 
another one saying, I'm doing a Bible study in my dorm. Another one talking about witnessing to an un- unsaved roommate. Um, and yet, some tough issues too. Um, got an email this week about a student who has gay and lesbian friends. And how do I deal with them? What they're quoting scripture to me and, and different things like this. There's some, there's some tough issues. There's some, some good reports coming back. So we need to keep the students in our prayers, not just as they're coming up through the youth group, but as they go out from the church as well. I hope that's not mine. <laughs> so... So we have a purpose for, for meeting with the kids. We have a, when the kids come to the different activities, the different events uh, on Wednesday night, we have a purpose for them. And we, we're trying to define, um, or, or every time we do something, to say, okay, why are we doing this? So, for example, the trunk retreat uh, coming up this Wednesday night. It's not a youth event, but we'll be helping with it. And so when I look at that, the event, I'm, I think to myself, all right, well, what's the purpose of, of this event? Is it costumes, candy, and games? You know, that, that sounds like fun, but they don't have to come to church to do that. So when, when we have these kids coming from the community, we want to make sure that they're loved. We want them to know that they're accepted at the house of prayer. They want, we want them to know that... Church people are normal. We're not we're a bunch of weirdos. You know, we, we just love God and we love each other and we love them too. But then we also want to make sure that we're either equipping or engage, engage, uh, we are engaging them by loving them and having them here, equipping or evangelizing. And so the, the trunk retreat is a great event where the gospel is going to be shared and tracks will go home with the candy. So when the kids are rifling through and looking for the best candy, they've also got scripture that they can read and that they can look at. So we want to live and, and do things with purpose. And w- what I'm putting out to this morning is that the number one purpose in our relationships should be discipleship. And we can do that personally, too. We're trying to do that with the youth. We can try and do that as a church as we plan different events and do different things, but we also need to be able to do that personally. And we, all, we all have to work. We've all got to eat, sleep. We find leisure activities. We all have life to live. But Jesus, as we saw at the beginning, when he was getting ready to ascend to heaven, he said to his disciples, I'm leaving now, but while I'm gone, I want you to make disciples. I want you to make more Christ followers. And I just think if that's what Jesus, is that one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples, then that should be important to us as well. Not just for the youth, not just for the church, but as individuals as well. So here's one thing that I'm going to um, ask each one of you to do. It's something that I'm, I'm doing myself. I wouldn't ask you guys to do it if it's not something that I was doing. And I would like to challenge you guys to define the relationships that you have. So when you... When you leave here today and you you go through your week, we all have different people that we interact with, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, uh, just in the neighborhood, uh, community events. We all have people that we interact with. Just about, I'd be shocked that if anyone, you know, leaves here this morning and doesn't see anybody else until next Sunday morning when they get back. might be out there, but we all interact with different people. And so we need, to, we need to live with purpose as individuals as well. 
So what I'd like you to do, and this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing, is I'm asking the Lord to show me one person, and I want you guys to, to challenge you guys to do the same. Ask the Lord for one person that he would bring to your mind, and that, he, he would, um, that you would be willing to work with this person, or these people, if he gives you more than one, and in some way that you're going to engage them for the kingdom of God. So when you look at that one person, um, you have to ask yourself, or when the Lord gives you that one person, you have to ask yourself, all right, Lord, do I need to, I'm, I'm going to engage them, but then do I need to be equipping them? Are they a Christian? Do they, do they believe? Do they have Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? And if so, then, I'm, then okay, Lord, I'm going to work on equipping them. I'm going to encourage them with Scripture. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to um, maybe study the, study the Bible with them encourage them to be reaching out to their friends as well. Invite them to church. Maybe you look at this person and the person you lays on your heart, you, you, you're like, I just, I know that he, that he or she, they're, they're not a believer. And in that case, you're looking at them from an evangelism point of view. You need, how can I share the gospel with them? How can I give them the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can begin this process of being a disciple? Because we all know that one day Christ will return and we all will give an account. So that's my challenge, first of all, to myself and then also to you. Pick at least one person and then ask the Lord, okay, Lord, how can I engage this person? How can I bring them into the kingdom of God or encourage them along in their walk so that they can then be making disciples as well? Just one closing thought that I have. The Great Commission, which is those verses in in Matthew that we looked at, the Great Commission cannot be accomplished by a few it will require the intentional, purposeful efforts of every believer. It will require the intentional, purposeful efforts of every believer. And my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we would, as a congregation, that we would commit to being part of that effort to see the world reached for Christ. Let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for allowing us to be here today in this, in this uh, great country, in this great community. We can come freely, uh, where so often it's actually encouraged to come to church. Uh, I thank you for this wonderful body of believers. So much, um, when I look into this, into this group, I see so many who love you, who are serving you, Lord, who are putting you first in their lives, who have committed to seeing your kingdom grow. Thank you, Lord, for each one of them. God, I pray that we would take seriously your, your command to your disciples to, to go out and, and make disciples, that we would uh, read those scriptures and, and take that as a personal challenge to, to live a life of purpose, to live a life of disciple-making, to live a life that's committed to you and committed to seeing your kingdom grow here on this earth. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.